755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, former Braves reliever Eric O'Flaherty out in Seattle. What's happening, Eric? Not much, Dave. How you doing? Good, man. Eventful week. Uh, Braves did a little something before the trade deadline when they got Tommy Malone, which I thought was a good deal, and I still think so, even though he fell on his face in that first start. I'm going to give him a mulligan on that, given the extenuated circumstances, because he had some really good numbers before he, before he came over. Had some really good numbers with uh, with the Orioles. So we'll see. But thing is, I didn't think that was going to be all they did. And I thought if they added another starter, then they really would have had a good trade deadline. But we talked about this, how there were going to be so few sellers because there's so few teams that are completely out of it. And sure enough, it was a seller's market, man. The few impactful guys that were out there, like a Lance Lynn, Clevenger, who actually got traded. Lance Lynn did not get traded. Dylan Bundy did not get traded. And I heard the prices on those guys that did not get traded were so extraordinarily high that you saw there were a lot of teams that needed starting pitching, and none of them traded for any of them except Clevenger. And the Padres are going for this shit, man. The Padres traded six guys to get Clevenger. Man. So, as in result, Braves didn't pick up another starter, and they still have a big problem with their rotation. Yeah, I, I think the Braves thought they were going to do more too. But, yeah, you know, I understand the frustration uh, for, from a fan standpoint. I mean, players get frustrated too. Uh, you know, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know, a lot of years, you know, a lot of years when we were in contention with the Braves, you know, you just, you know, the, the hard part is you never know what teams are asking. Uh-huh. And it's easy. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's way it's easy to look back at the bad trades and the good ones, but you know you, you get emotional and, and you're in the mix and you feel like you got a good team. You know, I remember two thousand twelve. We kept hearing about Ryan Dempster over and over yeah. and over. I mean, we were getting him, and the team oh, was remember. so fired up because you get a guy like that. I mean, he can really. I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it was happening. Yeah. Um, and then Paul Mahomes walks in, you know, on, on deadline day or, or right before right. the deadline. And Paul was good. Paul helped us, but it's it's not quite the same, you know. Um, yeah. It's frustrating, man. I, I get it. It's just you you don't know what's going on behind the scenes or, or what teams are asking. Uh, well, that but yeah. one was happening, actually. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, he that, nixed it, didn't he? Right. Dempster nixed that one at the last minute. So it was accurate to say that, that Brace had agreed to the trade. You know, it was, it was a done deal until he vetoed it. So – I think he was having some kind of that personal stuff off the off the field. Uh, wanted to stay where he was, something like that. Well, he wound up going to Texas, but it was something with his family, or I think right. he's going through a divorce, and and you know circumstances we couldn't control. But you know, right. even us as as players, we were pissed he didn't want to come play with us. You know, and then yeah. <laughs> you know, if we would have faced him or something, we would have you know chip chip on our shoulder. You know, want to put some numbers up against him. But um, I mean, we were fr- really frustrated that year, but. Um, yeah, I mean that's and, just that's just how it goes. And we talked last year uh, about because the Braves were on the opposite end of this last year because they had a problem in the bullpen last year and they answered it in a huge yeah. way at the deadline. They swung three separate deals and brought in, you know, All Star closer and Will Smith, All Star closer and Shane Green, and and I'm not Will Smith. I'm sorry, Mark Melanson. They everybody thought they were going to get that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Will Smith was going to get traded by the Giants. They ended up holding on to Will Smith and traded Mark Melanson to the Braves, uh, and and Chris Martin, who nobody saw coming from the Rangers, who was having a career year with the Rangers. You know, walking like you know two guys or something all year. So 
but they they turned the bullpen from a weakness to a big time strength for that stretch drive. And we were talking about last year about how that what that did for the clubhouse. There was just an immediate uptick, the optimism in that clubhouse that day. Uh, we're in DC that day, and the Nationals had a, had a bullpen problem, and they didn't fix theirs. Braves win that game, and those two teams couldn't have been on on much different wavelengths. As, as it turns out, it didn't much matter. It didn't a matter. Of later, but, <laughs> but it did that day for that rest of that month. <laughs> but what that can do to a clubhouse uh, when you do when you do uh, bring in a big guy to help the team, or when you don't. I mean, it, for the guys, the guys on the team, it feels good, right? When you know the front office is uh, going out of its way to to give you guys the best chances you can have. Absolutely. Um, you know, I remember one year with the A's, we got Samarja at the deadline and it, it might've actually even been an August deadline, like a waiver thing, but right. we made a big trade. No, we got Lester at that deadline. So I was with the A's um, 2014. We picked up um, John Lester and Jeff Samarja who were both having great years and we still got knocked out in the wild card game. I don't know who the, the A's gave up. I think Addison Russell on one of the deals. I don't know who they gave up for uh, Lester, but they gave up some pretty good prospects that I'm sure they wish they could have back. Um, but even, you know, I I look at, you know, what that year in 2012, who the Braves' top prospects were, uh, you know, like yet Julio was the number one. And then pretty much you go down that list, man, you can have the rest of them except Andrelton. You know, you had a Rodis Viscaino, turned out to be a good reliever, Randall Delgado, Sean Gilmartin was the number five. Um, Edward Salcedo, JJ Hoover, uh, Pastor Nicky, Zeke Spruill, Betancourt was was a huge prospect. Um, but you look back at that deal now, and you're like, or that year now, and you're like, man, you can have a majority of those guys, you know, because you just never know what prospects are going to pan out. And that's kind of the player's mindset: is who cares about prospects? You know, they're not they're not doing anything. They're not they're not on this ride right now. And the GM kind of has to balance that, where he wants to keep his job in the future too. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's a thankless task for a GM, man. I mean, you get all the credit for you when you do what uh, Alex did last year with trades for those three guys. But when you hold on to prospects, you do not get credit from the vast majority of fans. And I understand that because fans want to win now. They don't. They, most of them are not thinking about two years from now. And most of them don't give a shit that the Braves' lower <laughs> levels of the minor leagues right. are a little thin now because of the previous regime of copy and John Hart because they lost 13 prospects when MLB stepped in and stripped them of those guys they had signed, which MLB said was illegally. Uh, they made those 13 guys free agents. So they lost those 13 guys. None of them have turned out to be huge prospects yet, but that, but the fact is they would be guys in the lower levels of the minor league system and bigger, bigger factor. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't sign any, any international free agents for like three years. So they haven't been able to fill those lower spots in the minor leagues with with pros, young prospects. These 17, 18-year-old guys you sign out of Latin America and even Asian countries. But, you know, so you it feels like, you know, the Braves are going, eh, that really wasn't that bad because at the time it felt like a crippling blow, yeah. you know. But then you don't see any – you don't see it – you know, you end up winning the division the next year and you think, well, that wasn't so bad after all. Well, they are feeling that. It's just you don't see where they're feeling it. They're feeling it in the low levels of the minor leagues because they have a deep minor league system, but all their really good talent for the most part is in the upper minor leagues. So it's hard to trade away some of the guys. You look at the Padres guys they traded. Yeah. They're solid prospects, but they're lower minor league guys. And that's the only reason that they're not like top 100 guys because they're not close to the majors yet. But look at the numbers some of those guys put up. I was looking at yesterday. 
Padres traded some really good prospects in that deal. They traded six guys, including three major leaguers. Yeah, they three major leaguers price. is big. Yeah. And, you know, Seattle's yeah. going through their – or uh, Cleveland's – I mean, you know, they're they're trying to compete now. So they want some major league guys, and they're trying to stuff their minor leagues a little bit. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Braves, sure, they could have beat that, that uh, deal, but they wanted major league talent. So who are you giving them off your team? And I'm not talking about – you know, the, t- the typical person would say, oh, you give them this, 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 guys you don't want. You know, yeah. you give them, you give them, you know, Camargo or you give them the last guy in the bullpen or you give them the guy that's <laughs> just, that just had two crappy starts, you know. You know, you give them Tukey as like the the prize piece of the package you're offering. Yeah. But that ain't going to get it done, you know. Fan trade proposals are the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you give them, they think when you give them multiples of guys that are struggling or guys you don't want, that equals a good prospect. You know, seven guys you don't want or don't need does not equal two good guys. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, the GMs are watching the same game you're watching at home. Yeah. You know, they're, they're seeing guys struggle and, and kind of fall on their face. It's it's all about the timing, too. You know, like you, if you think about what you could have got for Tukey or Carl Wright a year right. ago or you, two uh, years exactly. ago, you know. But it's also the organization's, you know, that's their job to see things through. And, and obviously yeah. you want to strike when the iron's hot, but the guy turns into a stud. Those guys can yeah. still turn into studs too. Yeah. And Braves have caught some some heat for that. And I've given them some heat for that, for hanging on to some prospects too long. Because it's up to them to decide which guys you got enough. You got yeah, to take two eight. or three years to, to, to judge four or five guys. You got to figure out which of the three that are absolutely indispensable and which one or two of them you're willing to trade. And when you keep them all, you what ends up happening inevitably is you have guys get hurt, like Gohara, who all of a sudden you can't give away, who right. at one time was a, was your best pitching prospect. After he came up and had those great starts at the end of a season, you know, in the yeah. big leagues, you could have traded him for big-time talent that offseason. Then you ended up he ended up walking away for nothing, and now he's not even pitching anywhere. But, and there's been a few of those guys. You know, they end up getting hurt or they end up struggling like a Lucas Sims and you end up getting nothing for them. So, yeah, and even Sims, even Sims going, you know, two, three years later figuring it out. Um, right. It's not saying he would have figured it out here. You know, right, guy, exactly. guys get traded a lot of times and they turn things around or they need to go to a new setting. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, that's another tough thing about analyzing it is it's, there's so many different circumstances that led to him putting it together. Um, and fans, are, and you also are going to take unfair heat from fans who want it both ways. Yeah, in that they're going to say you hit, you held on to some guys too long. But when Lucas Sims was struggling here, all you heard from the vast majority of, of people was, "Why is he still starting? Why are they yeah. using him at all?" Uh, the other guy that was here for did the same thing was back and forth AAA and the rotation and bullpen for for so long. The one they got from the Padres who ended up going and and and. and and they were they were like, why does he keep getting chances? And he goes somewhere else and has a couple of good starts. And people were wondering, you know, why, why they traded him. him here. Yeah, GMs yeah. don't have a crystal ball. You know, I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot of guesswork to it too. And getting to know the personalities is huge. You know, it, you get into guys' heads, you can see which guys are more likely to fail than others. But you know, the other question I had is, you don't even Ch- know how the team felt about Clevenger because his own team didn't want him anymore. Yeah, his own his teammates Absolutely. didn't want him anymore. And that's a big factor. And if, if you're going to give up that kind of package for him, yeah. how much it can help your team. But, you know, do the guys even want to play with a guy that, that did what he did? Because it was, it was kind of a it was pretty shady what he did, you know, lying to his team and, and flying on the flight and, and putting a lot of guys at risk, even, you know, with a teammate that's just fought cancer last year. Um, 
and his own yeah. teammates. A lot of times, man, you know, if your teammates know your character and you're just a dumbass and you do something like that, they'll forgive you. But if right. they know you're knowing and they and they know that, you know, the motive behind it and you were just being selfish, you know, they're not going to forgive you. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to that, too. There's a lot to be said about his own teammates not wanting him on the team. Absolutely. That was the red flag that went up with me was you got a guy that is because he is really good. You put up you look at his numbers in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, he's a sub three guy in the AL with a t- more than a strikeout an inning. I mean, there's and, and last year well over two hundred innings. He's a stud, but so for him to be on a team that's contending, a team that wants to win, you know, and they vote him off the island in effect along with Plesac for them, and then they don't even want him back before the trade deadline. How much does it? It had to have been a buildup. It couldn't have been one incident. No. They had to. There had to have been several guys that did just did not want him around or wanted him. To, to learn his lesson for them to send him down in a two-month season and not want that arm on your team, that was a red flag right there for me. So, Well, both, those guys, both those guys are doing really – I mean, they're both dealing. And both you look at that really rotation, good. you think, man, this team's got a shot to go really yeah. deep with this starting pitching, and they don't want him back. And you, you got a, a guy that's putting up the numbers, Clevenger, is you'll forgive him for a lot. Uh, yes, you know Absolutely. I mean? A there's, starter pitching every five days, yeah, you'll give up. There's not much Max Freed could do that this team wouldn't forgive him for. Right. But you also know Max is a really good dude, and if, if he made an honest mistake, you know, you forgive him for it right away. But if he lied to your face, I mean, that's that's about one of the only things teammates won't accept. So I think I think while a team like the Braves, who put as much or more emphasis on character than any teams do, right? while I think they would have gladly taken him, they weren't going to bend over backwards and give up a give up the farm for a guy who still had some deficiencies in their views character wise. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean that was a knock against him. So they're not gonna they're not gonna just pay the asking price for a guy who had been the same guy pitching wise, who'd been a great character guy, who they don't have to worry about at all because it's contractual control for the next two years. Yeah. So you know they're not gonna give up tons of, of good guys that they really like or for a guy that you know, could come in. So I don't know. Lance Lynn was the one that for me made all the sense in the world for a Braves. Good clubhouse guy under control for one more year, veteran stabilizing presence. and give you a lot of innings. Yeah. And I think the only reason they didn't do him is because the asking price was obviously too hard. Cause I was hold- too high. Cause they were talking to the Rangers right up to the trade deadline. And I think the Rangers just would not budge on wanting. I was told that, all the teams that were asking that had impact starters, and I would I would assume that's Clevenger, Dylan Bundy, uh, Lance Lynn. Those were really the three that stood out to me as impact guys that were available. I was told that they all wanted three to four of the Braves' top players, or three of the four top players, the Bra- young players the Braves had, and that those four were in no particular order: Ian Anderson, Austin Riley, and the two outfielders, Pache and Waters. Now, yeah, so that's the hard part about it. I, I would leak it if I'm a GM. I'd, I'd actually, I'd go on, I'd go on record and say that to clear my ass. But yeah, you, know, you never and know and, what and teams Alex are asking. Say that yesterday, and he took a lot of heat you know, yeah. from fans and on the conference call, and he didn't say that. But that's what I was told that people were asking for. And if that's the case, no chance. I'm not get. I'm not even giving up two of those guys. You're not even calling Lance them Lane. back. You know, if that's where for the a year, you starts. know, for a year plus of Lance Lynn, I'm not giving up two. No. of Austin Riley, Ian Anderson, Pache, and Waters. I mean, I'm not giving up Ian Anderson. Period. You know, yes, six years of guy that could be 
Lance Lynn. Yeah. You know, we yeah. saw. We, it's not like we didn't see him. We saw him pitch, and it was not fluky what he did to the Yankees. Not well, the full Yankee lineup, but that stuff was not fluky, man. That change up in that mid upper nineties fastball. I mean, character. even look at like who. So went back when Julio was a top prospect. It, you could have got something amazing for him, right? For a year oh, yeah. or two, some kind of free agent. When he was throwing high nineties, but and all Julio that. Julio gave you two hundred twenty-two game. Yeah, I mean thirteen hundred innings. You know, it, yep. that's the balance of winning now and then having a starter. And how bad could this team use a guy like Julio right now? That's that's just putting up decent, pretty good yeah. numbers. You know, uh, it's it's so hard to give those guys up. Right. I mean. It- you know, and 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 right now we're looking at the guys we're looking at. You know, we're looking at the two outfielders. We're talking about Riley. You have to remember that in recent years, in the same situation, when these guys were in the minor leagues, the guys that the, that uh, that uh, Alex refused to give up were Ozzy Albies when the first year he was here. Ozzy Albies, Acuna, uh, Sort Soroka. Yep. Freed. Yeah. Those were the guys that teams were asking for. Yeah. And there were plenty of people out there saying prospects are prospects. Why not give up? I mean, there's a chance Soroka's, you know, he's not, he doesn't throw upper nineties. Give him up to get, you know, JT Real Muto for two years. Yeah. So, and, and, and give up Ozzy Albies. Cause I was one of those guys that didn't even know if Ozzy Albies was big enough to withstand the rigors of a major league season. Sure. Right now, but he's had, couple pretty good years i mean he's an all-star yeah, player and he winds up signing that that contract yeah, that I mean. very team-friendly contract and obviously acuna i mean he was off limits to be period but so it's like i said it's a thankless job and but you gotta you know you gotta have your guys evaluate these guys these that when you got so many pitching prospects like the braves have had i think you got to be to make the lesser ones available um uh, and and if it's too hard to discern who those are then man i don't know what to say but it's tough it's tough it's t- there's I yeah, can see both I mean, sides of it i understand they, the frustration 100 percent. and but they and needed to get a starter I thought, too. right now um because i just don't think there's any certainty there's none with what they've got you know they've got they got hopes for they've got hopes for faulty who's put on about 10 pounds by the way and and alex saw him pitch in his last uh Start down in uh, down in Gwinnett, and he was hitting ninety four, dude. Good. So he's got the velocity almost back. That's an, from eighty eight and eighty nine up to ninety four. He was only averaging ninety five a year ago, so ninety four will work if that's the case. Uh, they finally got uh, Cole Hamels throwing off. He's thrown two bullpens. He the next the next is sim games or live batting practice. He'll do a couple of those, and then they're going to decide whether to uh, activate him or have him do a couple more, but. There's a chance we could see him make it two or three September starts. Again, no certainty. And I also heard Kyle Wright's pitch made an adjustment, and the slider is working a lot better right now. We'll see. Uh, I still I still have my doubts about him, but we'll see. But I, I heard he's throwing a ball a lot better, and Bryce Wilson's also throwing a ball a lot better. So, you know, that could just be the Braves. Alex, you know, talking optimistic because yesterday did not go as a lot of people had hoped it would. But if they could get two of those guys back, then yeah, I mean, that's what we've been saying whole, all year. I know, yeah, but if they know. could get two of them for September, it's only been a one month. You know, it's only a two month season. Yeah. So yeah. But but right now it's still freed. Anderson, you hope, does what he did the other day. Then you got two really good guys. And Malone, like I said, I'm giving him a mulligan because the numbers he put up were really good before he came over here. One he had one walk and in in all of August. Before that game again the other day, 
against the Phillies where the Braves traded for him on a Saturday night, sent up a private jet to Buffalo where the Orioles were playing the Blue Jays, flew him down Sunday morning and had him start that night against the Phillies, against a good Phillies team that's playing a lot better on Sunday night baseball. So can you see where maybe he would have a, be a little discombobulated? Yeah. I, as soon as I heard that story, I was like, it's 50-50. He, he bombs tonight. You know, just because right. he, as well as you're throwing – you know, you got your routine. You got you got all these things that just make you feel um, calm. You know, it, 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 there's like a sense of normalcy that you're you're doing to where you get to the point where you go out there and just pitch. Right. Um, I mean, he probably got that call and had to start packing right away. And uh-huh. he's got wife, kid. You got all this stuff going on. Um, you, 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 clothes are dirty. You're trying to get clothes clean. You're trying to find a suit. You know, because everything little stuff. Yeah, it's just little stuff. But all of a sudden, you're up till three in the morning. Yeah. And then you jump on a private plane, you get into this new team, you're trying to figure out the facility, how to prepare. You haven't even met half your teammates, you jump out on a field and try to put up numbers. The pressure, some pressure. there's a huge pressure change when you go to a new team that's competing versus pitching for the Orioles. Um, I don't think that's going to bother him, but just, just the difference and all that stuff, you know, you just, it's almost like making your debut all over again. You're just, you're uh-huh. just off. Um, as soon as I saw that that happened, I kind of was like, I'd give him a free pass for a rough start tonight if he has one. And he's going to help the team. You know, more than anything, that's that's a guy they need is is somebody they can count on just to go out there and throw strikes and eat some innings right now and kind of just stabilize the rotation in a sense. Um, he's not going to give up, you know, home runs and, and and walk guys and have tough starts like that every time. Yeah, the uh, the fact that he you know has been had been pitching five or more innings every time out yeah. and throwing strikes that's what you that's need just for a team that's not had much of that at all outside of Freed. That is exactly what Sinsaroka got hurt. That's what the Braves wanted because as great as the bullpen has been, yeah. they know that you can't keep doing that, getting four to five innings out of that bullpen every night, which is what you're doing every night that Freed wasn't pitching, basically. Yeah, and it's it's stress on the bullpen, too. You know, maybe not the, the setup man and the closer, but, you know, you probably got five or six guys down there that are ready to pitch in the third inning every day. And, yeah. you know, what that does to you mentally, it kind of wears you down, but it's also a lot of extra stretching and throwing and, you know, getting getting hot, getting, you know, cooling back down. You know, it's just a lot of extra throws and stress on your pen to not have a, a stable rotation. So even, you know, the day Tommy pitches now, they can kind of just chill a little bit and think, you know, there's a good shot. This guy goes five or six versus yeah. the guy that gave up eight last time and we're just hoping he gets through this. You know, you're on your toes from, from the first pitch. The Braves have had a starter last five or more innings in only 13 of their 34 games. And they're in first place somehow. And that's mostly Freed and Soroka before he got hurt. And they are 11-2 and two in those games. That's crazy. The, co- <laughs> the combined ERA of the uh, starting pitchers is about 5-5, which is next to last in the NL. And if you take out Freed and Soroka, the other nine starters are one and ten with a seven point two three ERA. In first I mean, place. That's, that's brutal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Snit said Snit said had you know, this is a guy that's been in this organization for more than four decades. He is as loyal as they come, and you've talked about how optimistic and positive he always is. So when we asked Snit yesterday, after we talked to him 15 minutes after the trade deadline, and he put the best front up because he didn't show any. He said, no, I'm not disappointed uh, or surprised. I wasn't expecting it. But you could see that 
I didn't believe all that to be true. I mean, he didn't like smile and a wink. He just said it so grim. It was like, it's been, and, and then he did acknowledge that running your know, starters out there and going to the bullpen in the third and fourth innings so many nights, he said, it's been tough. He said, you do what you believe is right. And you find out in the end, if you made the right decision, you know, regarding the moves they made and everything. He said, he asked him, do you think, you know, you've got enough stuff here, enough pitchers here to get through this thing and to do go deep in the playoffs, do what you guys want to do. He said, well, I'm not going to sit up here and think that we're not going to be good. We got a pretty good team and we've been able to get by with what we have. And that's what we're going to do. So, and what else is he going to say? Yeah, you can't but, say uh, what's he going to say. It's like, <laughs> shit, I, don't, I mean, I'm kind of tired of this job at this point. I'm, I don't know what I'm going right. to do. I'm, I'm tired of looking at this. He's, he's got to say, you know, he's got to send a positive message out there. He's got a job to do and a job to keep. But, you know, I guess, you know, I, the one thing that I saw was, you know, a guy like Mike Miner even, but he's not having a great year. I mean, all, no, all they gave not. up for him was a couple players to be named later. And it, I'm guessing the Braves just thought, you know, our odds are just as good as, you know, him turning around as, as one of our young guys clicking and, right. and putting it together too. And they already got Tommy uh, Malone. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. And they gave up two players to be named for the, for Tommy Malone. Yeah. And and there's a lot of players to be named yesterday. that got traded. All that means is for people wondering, it's a little different than players to be named later in the past. The reason there's a preponderance of them this year is because you can't trade this year, this really odd year, you can't trade anybody that's not in your 60-player pool. So that's a whole lot of uh, that's prospects. That's a lot of guys, yeah. A lot of prospects that aren't that teams didn't think were ready for the majors and they didn't have enough room to just put everybody up there to keep getting reps right. and using it as a de facto minor league team, you know, to keep guys. They had a handful of guys, the Braves do, at that site who aren't going to be in the majors this year. You know, they got a, they got several of those, like the Michael Harris, the 19-year-old kid, that they're not going to use in the big leagues. Or, you know, the catcher they drafted in, at a Baylor last year. Okay, uh, so it's not the normal scrap heap of player to be names later that you're used to. It could be some pretty good guys they gave up for money. Yeah, yeah, it could be some good prospects who just are not in that pool. Uh, and you already agreed to who they are, but you can't announce it because it's technically illegal to trade guys not in your 60-player pool. So it could be a case of, you know, and it, like it is in a past where it's a small, like, group of five players and a team gets to pick two of them at the end of the year, you know, the guys nobody got hurt or whatever. Yeah. Or it could be specific guys they've already agreed on and they just can't announce it. So Right. That'll That's be probably that. at some point after the year, but it could be as late as 2021 that they announce that. So, but Braves traded, all they gave up for Malone was two of those guys. And uh, they got a guy that – uh you know, he's had the most unlikely kind of resurgent year. He signed a minor league deal with the Orioles and they ended up starting opening day for them when their when their projected opening day guy means had a, a arm fatigue at summer camp. So this guy had such a good it was kinda of like when the Braves signed uh Annabelle Sanchez at a minor league deal, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. In camp. He ended up being such a big piece for them. So that's what that's what Malone was for the Orioles for the month that he was there before they traded him, but they're not going anywhere, so they traded him, but he was having a really good year for them. Ten-year veteran, uh, yeah, just you walking know, nobody. You, you look at this team and, and you think it, there's not really any doubt for me they're getting to the playoffs. Right. Uh, you, you just you look at starting pitching matchups in the playoffs, and if, yeah, if, Anderson, if Anderson does what he's been doing, then you feel a little better about it. But, you know, I guess the, the one thing you're really hoping for right now is that Hamels can put it together because he's got that – he's got that experience and – you know, Freed, I think, could do really well. Fulte, people forget Fulte had that great playoff start last year throwing seven shutout. 
because and he blew up in the next one. Yeah, it's yeah. a totally different game. Then when he's throwing 88 at 89 against Tampa in that in that horrible start he had before they sent him down, or in the summer camp start against Miami when he gave up three straight home runs. Yeah, he was throwing 88 in that game too. Yeah, you he's, know, say, he's not a guy that's going to be pitching looked, at 88 and, and right. He looked frail. Right. So if he's put on 10 good pounds, yeah. he's done it quickly. But you know, you could look at how skinny he was and understand why the velo was so down. We just didn't know why he was so skinny. We'll find that out when he gets back. And we'll ask him. But we talked about that. You thought you you thought maybe that he thought would would help him. You know, to get slender, and he just didn't realize how low his velo was. That was your theory, and I think it's a good theory. I'm pretty. I'm yeah. I mean, I I had years where I was a little light, and you the ball feels the same coming out of your hand. Yeah, you know, 88 can feel the same as 96, and then you look up at the gun, you think you're throwing gas. Day one of spring training in 87, like shit. You know, I got to make some adjustments, and I just I don't think Fulty had that time to make those adjustments. But he's another guy. You know, I mean, if if there's so many ifs, there's there's guys that that could really help you. You're just you're banking on a lot, and and. Obviously, you know, you want that sure thing. You want that answer of a guy that's throwing well right now, like Clevenger or, or Lance Lynn. Uh-huh. Uh, but if teams are asking the world for him, it's, you know, you just got to, it's a hard job being a GM. You know, I'd, I'd burn the organization down every single year. I'd be a GM for one, I have one year as a GM and we'd go for it and I'd never get a job again. As Alex said, you got to weigh the long and short term all yeah. the time with every trade. And this is a, hey, he didn't use this year as an excuse, but I think all the GMs, it's been pretty obvious. There's so much uncertainty this year. There's still a chance. It looks like it's going to get played now, finished out, and go to the postseason. But we're still a couple of teams from having a pandemic or a team having it in the playoffs and not even making it through the playoffs, you know? And then you gave up future assets, you know? So I think that's what shocks me about teams asking so much for those guys. Right. Right. I, I would really be reluctant to give up a guy that I was sure was going to be a stud for me for six years. You, might not you don't even know for sure. Yeah, and, and unless you're getting two years of control, at least like a Clevenger. But for a guy that's one year like Lance Lynn next year, or, or you know, or Bundy, no, for not for one year. I'm not giving up six years of control. For not even for one good guy, much less two or three good guys. So yeah, I mean, you'd have, are going for it, you'd have one more year of both of those guys. Yeah, Padres yeah. are going for it, which, you know, I've, as a player, you always want the GM to do that. But yeah. they gave up a lot. They did this a couple of times before. Remember when this GM, Pe- Preller, went for it a couple of times before? Yeah, yeah. Remember the year that he he traded for Kimbrell? Uh, he signed, he's traded for Matt Kemp, and yep. he ended up met, sending Matt Kemp to the Braves, dumping his salary on the Braves when they dumped Oliveira's salary on Padres. That was just a bad contract swap. Yeah. So the the Padres have done this a couple of times. This is like the third time in the last decade they've done this. So we'll see if it works out. They've got a whole lot of really good young players right now, though. So beginning with Tatis. I mean, we did it in 2008 with the Mariners. We we got Eric Bedard coming off a hot season. We thought we won the division. We were celebrating in spring training. Like, you know, we're, we're doing this thing. And yeah. Bedard showed up and just wasn't the same guy. They gave up Adam Jones, George Sherrill, uh, Chris Tillman, and then two other guys who didn't pan out but were pretty good prospects too. But they gave up five legit guys for uh, Bedard, and it took the organization years to recover from it. Yeah. The other thing I really like Lance Lynn for was because he's got an $8 million salary next year. Yeah, he's not making too much. No. So that wouldn't even have been a factor taken on that that payroll for next year, even with all the money that teams are losing this year. Yeah. He, he was, he'll make he'll make $10 million less next year than than Hamels was supposed to make this year. Now, Hamels is not getting all that because it's prorated. 
but ten million less next year than Hamels was going to get this year. Yeah, it's crazy. That was, I just that was, that's what I think though. You just at this point, you just really, you really hope Hamels. I mean, he if he could just get healthy by the end of the year, you know, and and going into the playoffs with him, Freed, and and maybe Hot Ian Anderson, you look pretty good all of a sudden. Hey listeners, it's time you join the Manscaped craze that's sweeping the nation. Make sure to switch over to the precision engineered tool to take care of your family jewels. The Premier Lawnmower 3.0 is not only waterproof, but includes an LED light and is made with advanced skin safe technology, which is trademarked, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an undercarriage deodorant, and the Crop Reviver, a family jewel toning spray. Both super practical, and they smell good too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs, because who doesn't like a soft pouch for their marbles? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com, all one word, THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, Always use the right tools for the job. Our Jeff Schultz in the Athletic wrote a column today, and he said that uh, he kind of made a defense uh, for Alex yesterday in that, you know, the prices that were being asked and all that in this in this weird season, and you're not even sure it's going to be played out and all this, and giving up, you know, contractual control. But then he went in to excoriate for Alex for saying that his problem, the, the mistake that they made, began the last two years and and Jeff had a point was there were two years in a row where Alex did not go out there and go get a guy like Corbin, you know, guys that were available. They ended up signing elsewhere. The, and that's because the Braves do not believe in building a pitching staff with free agency. They think it's a really inefficient way and that the price of free agent pitching is way too high. So they didn't do it. And they went with one year fixes. And in the case of say last year, remember they had some problems and they, and when Julio started out uh, poorly and they went, ended up signing Dallas Keuchel midway through the season just because they were desperate last year. But it's yeah, been a couple deliver. of years in a row where they, where they did this, where they, where they were searching for starting pitching and they got through last year and the year before they did it. But this year they have not been able to, to fix it. You know, in, well, they're going to get through season. this year. You know, I, for me, you just, you look at the, the, just the, this team just has like that magic factor uh-huh. to it where they just have, find ways to win games they're not supposed to win. And that They've plays, used 11 starters in 33 games, 34 games. Yeah. And and in first place. Yeah. By three games. Yeah. But like you said, doesn't really matter at this point because I think they're going to win the division. They're certainly going to finish in the top two. What matters is those playoff the head-to-head playoff matchups. And say you're facing the say you're facing the Dodgers. Say you get past the first round. Which isn't a given either, but no. say nice. you're facing the Dodgers and you got, say you got Freed going against their number one, whoever you want to put in their number one slot, then who you got in the second slot? You know what I mean? Yeah. In the matchups, it's, it's so yeah. much rides on how Anderson pitches because if he's that guy yes. he was against the Yankees, then you feel right. pretty damn good. Right. But if, if you know if he has those typical struggles of that young guys have, or right, our teams make adjustments and then yeah. he's got to make adjustment back. Yeah. So, yeah, they had these kind of problems uh, a couple of years in a row where they just didn't have, you know, a bunch of guys signed long-term and they had to go with young guys. 
And then you have some really bad luck you could not have seen coming, like all this year, you know, with the opt-outs and the injuries. But I, coming into this season, we raised some concerns because you were relying heavily on some guys that were big question marks. Yeah. You had no idea what you were going to get from King Felix. You had you didn't have a good idea what you're going to get from Cole Hamels coming off an injury plague season. He ended up the year hurt, and you gave him that one year deal. You had really Fulty was a big question mark because last year he spent a, more than a month in AAA, and you had no idea what you're going to get from Sean Newcomb going moving him back to the, the rotation from the bullpen after a good year in the in the bullpen. But you were counting on all those guys. Yeah, yeah. And and I think though you know in in, in a normal spring training. You'd have three months for that to sort itself out before you're forced to kind of make a move. Right. This right. year it's a month, and all of a sudden, you know, that the guys just haven't had time to answer the question marks. And it, normally, you'd have a lot more moves. time. Where even Fulty right now, in a normal season, he comes back yeah. and has a good month and a half throwing 94, yeah. 95 again. That answers a lot of questions, but there just wasn't. I mean, he's just now getting his weight back and throwing ninety four, and it's already September first. And you couldn't sign a guy like Keiko in midseason because you can't add guys to your pool. So, yeah. the, you know, some of the ways that they got by in the last couple of years, those were eliminated by the oddness and the shortness of this season. So that's the other thing is you talked about uh, 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 non-waiver deals that done in the past. Yep, that's those fine. don't happen this year. Nope. There are none of those this year. There's one trade deadline. So the team that you came out of yesterday with, that's who you've got You're in your 60-man pool is who yeah. you've got for the postseason. Well, I need they need Hamels to to get healthy. Yeah, they really bad. Do, they really do. So, um, you know, the other other guys that were out there were like Kevin Gossman, you know, and he started out really well. But you look at his numbers, is he a certain upgrade over who you've got coming back? I, I don't know. I mean, he's got five ZRA or whatever it is now. So there's also the side of it of having already seen him here and and gone yeah, through it yeah. with him. You know, you know him and. <laughs> And he struggles again. The fans are going to be like, well, what did you expect? Yeah. We ran him out of town the first time. Yeah. I mean, but you expect that from him too. You know, after you've had a guy, yeah. you're going to view him from a certain lens that it's hard to change no matter how hot they get somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's hardly all doom and gloom. Like we said, the Braves are in first place. They got 20 wins or 20 and 14. And if you'd have told them this, that you're going to be on this pace and be in first place by three games, you know, you would have gladly taken this. Even if well, especially everybody with those was starting pitching numbers you were throwing out right. a minute ago. Even if everybody was healthy and doing what you had hoped, you would have gladly taken this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So no matter how you got here, you got here. So other teams, and that's the other thing is it's really easy. And I understand you look at your team and you're worried about your team because of all the injuries, but everybody's got flaws, man. Yeah. Everybody's got problems. Look at the Yankees. I mean, they cannot stay healthy. All their sluggers keep getting hurt. The Mets, the Mets are going to Mets. They've got all their pitchers getting hurt again. So, well, you don't you know, have time Nationals, to get guys healthy either. No, the Nationals win a World Series. Look at them right now. I think they're still in last place, aren't they? And they're not. They don't have. They're not going to make the playoffs probably Damn. after winning the World Series. Well, they weren't counting on Scherzer not being the same guy. I mean, he's he's no. not doing terrible, but he's not. Or Strasburg getting hurt, needing yeah. surgery. That's that's two of your big three right there. Yeah, done. So everybody's got problems just about. The Dodgers don't. They're just going to roll. I mean, they they went through. The, they're they're going to be really tough to beat. You're going to have to get some really good starts to because they are loaded, man. Yeah. And they were going after Lance Lynn yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost – it felt like it was almost to say, we're going after him because we can. <laughs> I feel like they do that a lot. We're, to keep anybody else from getting him. 
Yeah, they did that last year with somebody. I forgot who it was, but last year they made a move like that. They make moves. You're like, why? You guys didn't even need to do that. <laughs> and then, and then you look at how they line up in the playoffs. And it's even nastier. But yeah, I think that's I another t- thing you got to think about too. You know, with with so many teams making it, you, your odds are going deep. Um, but man, for me, I just I watch this team play, and I feel like they can go deep. There's just a few holes they got to plug. Yeah, I think if they get decent work. Decent work from the second and third starters. They can go yeah. deep because the bullpen is so good that you can afford to yank a guy in the third inning before he gives up five, six runs. You know what I mean? You can turn it over to the bullpen if you have to for a game and then come back if you get a decent start from that third guy, you know? So you don't have to have three great guys. You've got a good enough, deep enough bullpen to get by. But you just need them to be good. Have they said, be decent. Have they said how uh, the playoff rosters are going to be structured? Yeah, you're uh, no, you're going to be stuck to like a normal it, 25. No, no, we're back to 28. We're staying with 28 for the rest of the year. And I, th- I think it's going to be 28. If not, it'll be 26 because they've 25 is done anyway. They were going to be 26 this year. And then they decided well, 28 would be nice because then you could stack your bullpen more, kind of play it that way. I, I tend to think they will just because guys, you, when you play like this all for the whole two months, yeah, teams are, you are where they are. Guys are not stretched out and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you're going to have to, but, um, Another big plus for the Braves besides Freed. We've talked so much about Freed. He's, I, I will say the last couple of times out, Freed is he's won. He's gone five innings, but he has not been quite as dominant as he was in one the previous ones. Probably to be expected, but hadn't had quite the same sharp stuff. Could be well, you know, he set the bar pretty blip. damn high. He did. He I did. mean, he if even if you get these starts out of him, you feel pretty good about him, but. Yeah, and it I mean, could just be a couple three starts that he goes through, and before he's the same as yeah, everybody goes through that stuff in the season. Yeah. I'm I'm not worried too much about him. I mean, he's he's going to be legit threat no matter you know if you you square him up against an ace, I feel good about him. When his bad start is you know five innings at yeah. Fenway, and you go up two runs. That's pretty yeah, good. That means you're pretty was, damn good. That was the first time he'd given up more than one run since opening day when he gave up two against the Mets and Degrom up there and they won. They've won all eight of his starts, dude, and he still hasn't given up a home run. Did you see Devers' reaction to his curveball yesterday when he swung and missed yes. it? The, he swung and missed a curveball yeah. in front of the plate and yep. just said, wow, and walked away like, I'm hopeless <laughs> against that pitch. You know, as you're long as Freed has that yeah. curveball, I'm not worried about him. And that slider, man. Yeah. You're getting some bad swings from guys, aren't you? Oh, man. And, and that's what I was talking about, too. Like, he threw a fastball down and in. His ball is just so lively. He threw a fastball down and in. I can't remember who the hitter was, but it cut, it cut to a right-handed hitter. It cut, like you know, probably a, not a foot, but seven, eight inches late. Uh-huh. And it almost looked like a righty sinker down and in. And then he'll throw right. another fastball and it'll go straight up. And then he'll throw one that'll tail. I mean, a guy that's got that life on his fastball and his curveball. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to mess up. I saw one of those crazy quirky stats today. You know, who the last left-hander, the last left-hander that his team won all of his first eight starts. Oh, I saw this. And- and he did not give up a home run. You saw it? I was like, I had to read the thing twice. I'm going, how can that be? Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah. It was more than a hundred years ago. That's crazy. Wasn't it? It was like 1917. It was, yeah, it was a hundred years ago for sure. <laughs> it was a hundred years ago. That's not hard to one do. left-hander has done that. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know what's weird is that that's a couple of Braves that has been connected with Babe Ruth in the past week because Cakes, Marcakis tied and then surpassed Babe Ruth's career doubles total. Damn. Surpassed it last night. Yeah, more doubles than Babe Ruth. 
Kate's got 500 and some doubles, man. Yeah, he's he's doing the duration thing, you know, just staying yeah. staying on the field and putting up, he looks putting up like numbers he like can, that. I think he's going to play until he's 40. He's 36 now. I think he can play till 40. He keeps himself in such great shape. You got to wonder how how long guys want to do it, but if a guy wants to be bad enough, wants to be out there bad enough to come back this year, I I think that that's I think he's going to go for that. His kids are already, his boys are already kind of at that age where they're kind of growing, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're not in there four to five years old, you know, where you're missing important steps, you know, like them talking and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're past all that. So he might just tell them, agree with them. Okay, so it's because they wanted him to play. He said when he came back, his wife and kids wanted him to play when he came back after opting out. So they might have just agreed, all right, as long as you're here for like high school graduation, go ahead and keep playing. <laughs> yeah, but that's I mean, there's that's the only thing that ever tugs at me to play again, too. You know, is is uh-huh. I have two kids and my youngest, he doesn't have any clue what I did. My my five year old, right. he saw me right. play. I mean, he has vague memories of the field and stuff like that, but that's really the only <laughs> yeah. I mean, now my my kid's impression of me, I'm just this guy that fishes all the time and is at the house. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to leave that impression of them as this hero that goes out on the baseball field in front of fifty thousand and doing all this cool stuff. You know, um, but that's that's really the one thing that that tugs at me to try to make a comeback or anything like that. Ever the only thing that ever does is is my kids and wanting them to see you play. So yeah. getting to go out and show his three boys that you know all the time and keep going out on the field that's pretty cool. And, and hey, don't your neighbors think because you're like a you're like this young guy in your thirties, nice car, good looking wife, uh, house on a lake. Don't your neighbors think you're like a drug dealer? You're hanging out on the, on the pier, all on the fishing pier all the time. Yeah, this guy's just drinking beers out on his back porch. Somehow, his <laughs> wife's driving around in a G wagon. All my neighbors are like Microsoft execs and stuff like that. Yeah, either that or they think you are you are like uh, you own a tech firm that you're like you're like don't even talk about it. You're so rich. They have no clue. I mean, they see me just <laughs> drinking a beer ops. and shooting hoops at noon. Like this you're dude never ops. goes to work. <laughs> no, they all know me. They all know me by now. But when we moved into the neighborhood, oh, being okay. that young, it was they were kind of they were wondering. Maybe they thought you were an heir to Apple or something. Yeah, I had a guy yesterday. <laughs> to IBM, I guess. I had a guy on the golf course yesterday giving me sales, uh, kind of a sales lesson. Was <laughs> like, tell he was just telling me how to sell better and and tell me this, my generation doesn't really know how to sell and, and do all this stuff. I was just like, man, I'm good. <laughs> they tell you to get into plastics. <laughs> yeah, he was just telling me to remember people's names, and he's just giving me all these pointers. But oh, it was kind of like I'm terrible with that. I'm glad know. I do what I do because if I was in sales, I would suck because I forget everybody's name. It's terrible. Yeah, he turned it into a big old sales lesson for me. You know, just because I looked young. But yeah, it's it's different, man. It's different living in this neighborhood. Everybody seems everybody's pretty chill though. They're just. Don't, I, I, I wonder. I think they watch me and laugh though. Go through my days <laughs> and envy you. I wonder how many of them. Uh, the people when I when I do because I'm like a lot of people you know when you forget their name and you say dude or man I wonder how many people you say that to go oh you forgot my name <laughs> when you say hey what's up dude <laughs> yeah McCann has the best move ever he what always tells people nice to see you again or nice to see you because he's not sure if he's ever met him before because everybody <laughs> everybody in Atlanta knows him you know so he yeah. just greets everybody as if he already knows him and remembers him right, just in right, case right. he had that way man he made everybody feel comfortable with yeah him he does. All right, let's pause for a moment, and then we'll be right back. I envy those guys that make everybody feel so comfortable and important when they meet them. Guys like Bobby Cox, yeah. Snit's like that. I met Bill Self. 
you know, I'm a Kansas guy. So I met yeah. Bill Self one time when I was with Jordan Schaefer. We went over to KU. Uh, Braves were playing the Royals in Kansas City. And we went over to KU because Jordan Schaefer was friends with the, uh, his girl, his sister or somebody was married to, uh, was married to the equipment manager of the, of the, uh, of, of the Jayhawks. So they had a closed basketball practice, but we were able to get into it because, you know, Schaefer, Schaefer, he played for the Braves and he, he knew the equipment manager. So anyway, we went into a closed practice and we're watching it, uh, over in, uh, Lawrence and Bill Self comes over to Schaefer. Schaefer had happened to have like, Three hits the night before at Milwaukee. A couple of doubles. Bill Self comes over to Schaefer in the middle of the workout. They had uh, they had Joel Embiid on that team, by the way, Wiggins. He Bill Self comes over, goes up to Schaefer and said, what's up, Schaefer? You had a big <laughs> night last night in Milwaukee, yeah, huh? He goes, man, so you need cool. to be playing more. And this was at a time when a lot of people thought Schaefer should be playing every day. You know, he was still not playing every day. And I swear you could just see Shafe just kind of melt. And he was felt like he was the bit most important person in that gym right there. And I'm going, ah, that's how you recruit right there. When you yeah. got a gift like that, you can make people feel like that. That is well, a rare it's, gift. It's so important and it's so easy. You know, it, it, it's something that you see a lot of athletes struggle with. And I get it because yeah. it's tiresome. You know, you're at a gas station, you went over four. Yeah. And somebody recognizes you to just put on the front, be in a good mood. That might be their yeah. only impression of you ever. And and you know the guys that don't do it because people think they're they're pricks. You know that right. Th- that's a terrible feeling to meet somebody you look up to or or admire so much, um, and and they treat you like shit. And that yeah. lasts forever, and that's their only impression yeah. they're ever going to make. And I, I think the the smart guys and the good guys, they know how impressive or how important that is, and and they just put that effort in twenty four seven. Like a guy yeah. like McCann that he treated everybody so well um yep. I, I remember walking into the the braves uh locker room one time and hank was always in there rehabbing you know uh-huh. had bad knees and stuff and and i'd never met him before but i was like man it's hank aaron i gotta just go you know tell him my name and shake his hand and he just said something to me <laughs> like you know he said something like oh, i'm glad i didn't have to face that slider when i was playing or something you know just just to let <laughs> oh, me know he, he recognized me and i i mean I, I think i floated out of that room oh i bet Jesus. you know but but those things are so important and and it's it's not easy to do but I admire the guys that can handle that pressure and be recognizable and and be out there um and and can just consistently do that you know it's it's not easy yeah. when you're having a bad day but it's the I, guys that can do it like Bobby Hank Bmac that I've always admired that and it and you're right guys never forget it good and bad never, they never, never forget it and now in the era of social media they will always bring it up and yep. I feel so bad for the guys because the more famous you are, the harder it is. Yeah. Because the longer the autograph line is. I always felt bad for Chipper because once he went over to committed to signing an autograph, like at spring training, that line all of a sudden got like 150 oh, yeah. deep, right? Or before games, he'd go over by the dugout and sign. Everybody just swarms over there, including all those autograph hounds. You know, at spring training where the yeah. same guys come back every day. Well, and they, they give like it. some. They give some little kid or some hot girl uh, the the bit like a stack of photos to go have the guy yeah. sign. So those guys ruin it for good fans. Yeah, they ruin but, it for good fans. And you know, that's the reason signing. That's the reason yeah. guys wind up not signing is because yeah. it feels so bad not to sign for everybody and have to tell someone no. But if a guy like Chipper goes and signs, I mean, it's it's a forty minute commitment because he some doesn't want to let call people him out. down. Yeah. Some players will call guys out on it. I saw you here yesterday or whatever. Or I saw or I saw you give this to this girl or whatever, and, you know, they'll call them out and they can do it. Some guys are able to do that in a good way. They'll do it smiling, but make the guy feel like, oh, okay, he knows my, he's owning me. But 
I always feel bad for a lot chipper because say he's doing it before a game, you know, after batting practice or whatever. And at a certain point, you got to cut it off because you got stuff to do, right? Yeah. Go in the cage. You know, you got to go meet with somebody in the cage, watch video, whatever. So that the last guy or the last three guys that did not get that sign. Oh, it's the worst feeling. They call him out and act like the guy's a prick because he didn't sign it for his kid. It was at the end of the line and Chipper may not even have seen the guy at the end of the line. But, you know, you feel bad for guys like that. And you're right, though. They never forget. And I'm, I'm reminded of Cal Ripken, who used to sign for Notorious for signing forever. He would sign for like an hour before games during his streak when he was the most famous player in baseball, you know? Yeah. He would sign literally for an hour. So he had this reputation that was beyond reproach. Everybody in the game or everybody outside the game thought this is the nicest guy in sports. Well, I knew people inside the game that had to work with him, like from other teams, PR people and that kind of thing. And let's just say he wasn't quite the image that people had of him from outside. But that never is going to get but the average person's never going to know that. Yeah. So you had to be smart. And if you're able to do that, pull it off and and just bite your tongue and stand there for an hour signing autographs or being nice and smiling, whether it's a fake smile or not, you could forever have that image with the, with the, with the fan base. Yeah. And it, it's also, you know, like it, it's crazy. Cause my, my son actually threw a Bo Jackson ball into the lake the other day. And I, I didn't even care because the interaction I'd had with Bo was just kind of, he didn't even look me in the eye when he signed the ball. And it was just kind of like, you know, just some other guy just, yeah, he, you know, here, here you go, get out of here type of thing. Right. Um, that for me, it's, it's so much more about the character, the guy that you're admiring. It's, it's sometimes better to never, right. to never meet people. Exactly. You know? Yes. Um, I mean, I've used, I used Bo Jackson on Tech Mobile. I thought, and I saw all his highlights. I watched that stuff all the time growing up and, and I was so excited to get his autograph. He was just, um, he was just in the clubhouse one day signing for everybody. And obviously uh-huh. every single dude on the team, yeah. um, came over and wanted something from him. But just the interaction I had with him was just kind of like, uh, he was just like, whatever, here you go type of thing. Yeah. And for me, that was just like, I know, I personally know how hard it is to sit there and sign for people, but you try to, you try to make it a good interaction and look everybody in the eye and everything. So, I mean, that ball is just floating around my house, but you know, I could have a ball from another guy that I really admired that, you know, like if a Bobby, Co- if my son threw a Bobby Cox Jersey into the lake that yeah. I could sign my Bobby, I mean, we'd have some problems. <laughs> You'd have you to know. go in and swim and get it. It's so much more, but yeah, it's so much more about the character of people. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and I feel like I said, for the most famous guys, cause Bo Jackson at one time was the most famous athlete in America. In and America he was getting, yeah. and he was getting that in both sports. Yeah. Every <laughs> player was treating him like every player was fawning, you know, like a fan for good reason. And the same thing with Michael Jordan. Yeah. There's stories, you know, like Michael Jordan was, he couldn't even go out in public. So he handled it by not going out in public most yeah. of the time, you know? Cause if he did, he'd be the same thing. There would have been people upset that he didn't sign for them because I mean, it would have been impossible for him to sign everywhere he went. He was the most he famous person the whole on world. the planet. Yeah, he was the most <laughs> yeah. famous person on the planet for a while. Yeah, I mean, he'd still be signing if he signed for everybody that wanted his autograph back then. He'd just be wrapping up yeah. right about now. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not necessarily like I don't you know think that these guys are good people or anything. I, I just right. I appreciate the guys that can. You know, I don't think Bo's a bad dude because he couldn't look me in the eye when he signed an right. autograph for me. It just doesn't it doesn't mean as much to me to have it when right. when when the interaction is kind of a little sour. And he had the, you know, Bo had for a long time had the stuttering problem. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know how comfortable he was in those settings, you know, right. at least initially he is now. Yeah. But, uh, 
um, anyway, I'm not going to let your Bo Jackson story tarnish my image of Bo Jackson. No, Damn no, it. not at all. Not at all. It's, it, 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 you know, it's just, it, it's one of those things where I just, I knew how, I know how it goes. And, oh, I know. Yeah. and then I see the yeah. ball. It doesn't mean the same to me because I walked away from it. Like, shit, I guess I'm, I thought I'd yeah. mean something. I'm on the team, you know, we're in the clubhouse. We got something in common. We both played pro ball. But yeah. yeah, I mean, he's on another level and he's obviously would have some fatigue at this point from signing all those years, but yeah, it's it's for me. It's it's about that interaction too. But man, the personality, like I was talking about, like uh, like like Bobby Cox, I man, I literally to this to this day, and I'm not exaggerating this when I say it. I have never met someone, anyone who did not like Bobby Cox, who met him and did not like him, or had any interaction with him whatsoever. I mean, this guy would 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 like walk by even the uh, umpires. Skycaps, umpires, the desk clerk at the hotel, the the waiters, everybody. He made them feel like the most important person that he was talking to or that he had met that day. You know, I mean, yeah. he's just had it's a not way easy about to do. It. You got a personality like that. Ooh, you you're going to be successful whatever you do. That's for sure. In sales or as an executive. I mean, when Bill Self came over and talked to Shafe that day, I'm like, this guy could do whatever he wanted yep. to do in a business world or sales or whatever, and he'd be the, the terrific at it you know i mean that's just that's a personality right there to have not everybody has it yeah it's this just i'm sure you know it's fatiguing i never got on that level even close but i'd watch guys like chipper and bmac try to get through their day or try to go out to eat with them and everywhere they go it's a show especially if you're in atlanta every i mean i was eating with chipper one time and cars were slamming on their brakes he was trying to cross the crosswalk and (laughs) you know i mean just it's just a I'm sure guys would love to just be kind of incognito a lot more often, but it's not a choice once you get to that level. Yeah. Jay was like that before, you know, for those first couple of years, but you know, cause he was so recognizable, big, tall guy. So recognizable. Uh, I think, I think Freddie free. Fred, Freddie's and, like that now. I'm sure. Freddie's like that now. Yeah. But he's so unassuming that, you know, and, and, and that I think he's probably able to move around a little bit, Maybe a little easier than Chipper. Chipper was just a god here. He was here for so yeah. long, and and he had that look. He just had a look that you you knew exactly who he was. But yeah, you know, I don't know how much Freddie goes out and about anyway. You know, in town, like you, Chipper, I think got around. You know, a lot. But yeah, well, and it's another thing too. Being a baseball player, you can now. look you can look pretty normal and just yeah. be good at rotating. If if you're in the NFL or NBA, yeah. you know, you see a jacked dude the that's like six Giants. three. I mean, it's yeah. the beast. Or you see a guy that's yep six foot seven and standing out of the crowd, you're going to assume this guy's pretty good at basketball or something like that. Yeah. You're even like seeing Cam Newton walking through the airport, your head turns, you know, even, yeah. a guy, you know, even when you're around athletes all the time, you see a guy like that, he stands out. You don't realize, you know, when he's in context of other players, how big he is. And then you see him walking through the airport. You're like, that dude's huge, man. Yeah. When you've seen a face on TV, I don't care yeah. who you are. When you've seen a face on TV enough and you see it in person, it's even like the first time I saw Huddy in person, it was just cool. Because he's so recognizable, you know, he's so unique looking. You yeah. see these people. I mean, it's it's pretty normal to be a little starstruck. And Smoltzy has that look, you know. Smoltzy, yep. you rec- instantly recognize who he is. Yep. I'm sure all the big three were like that, you know, when they were here, because they were all so recognizable. You know, I got Maddox laying pretty low, probably. T- yeah, probably glad yeah. too. <laughs> he's Maddox straight. I think from from home to golf course to ballpark. I mean, yeah. it's not a guy that's going out to bars, you know. Yeah, but. You know, I think Acuna is like that now. I think with some Latin guys, it probably it probably helps a little bit that people don't know 
that you speak any English, so they're not going to go up to you and start talking to you as easily. So I think it probably <laughs> helps a little bit as a little bit uh, arms distance, that kind of thing. You know, everybody's just kind of just wave and say hi rather than go up and try to start talking to you. Oh, Felix that's used be to do that all the time. Eating. That was Felix's huh? out. Felix, me and my <laughs> wife were working out. We were going to the same uh, gym as Felix and King Felix. Yeah, Felix Hernandez. <laughs> we we yeah. were at the gym here in Seattle, and uh, Felix <laughs> walked by my wife. There, huh? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, yeah. And he can't go anywhere in Seattle, but yeah. he walked by my wife and we know him, but we hadn't seen him in probably six or seven years. So he might not have recognized her, but she was like, Hey, what's up, Felix? And he was just like, uh, you know, don't day the gym, you know, <laughs> like, he was just, he, he tried to play it so dumb. And my wife called him on it. She goes, bullshit. I know you. He goes, Eric's here too. You want to say hi to him? And then when, when she said I was here, he was like, Oh, Eric's here. And uh, let me, let me, you know, Take me over to him. Let's go say what's up. But I think he, you know, that's that's a nice uh, out, definitely, yep. to just kind of be able to play. Like, you know, I don't, maybe I don't speak too much English and, and make the interaction as short as possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, the bigger star that Ozzy obviously get, he's going to get that because that guy's really recognizable because he's so yeah. small. He's the other extreme, Yeah, you know? He's so small and wiry that you see him with the hair, and he's got a distinct haircut and all that. So I'm sure when him and Hikunia are hanging out, people see those guys, you know, walking through Lenox Square, which they still did at least last year. <laughs> they must turn a lot of heads. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting too to see kind of the, the transition guys go through where when they come up from AAA, they're trying to have a stupid haircut or something that makes them recognizable. <laughs> and then then you and, watch and they guys go to get, Lenox Square. <laughs> yeah, and they're walking around, and you watch guys that, that have dealt with it for a long time, and they're just you know, wearing a hat and shades and, and a right, hoodie, right. you know, trying to just creep around because they get they get tired of it. But yeah, it's it's always funny to me to watch the guys come up from AAA and they got to have their tattoos and, and crazy haircuts and stuff, just desperate to get noticed when they go to Lennox. <laughs> Josh Donaldson had that look last year that he had the look that if you saw him, you wouldn't know who he was, but you'd know he was somebody. This you know what I mean? Something. <laughs> he's an actor, or he's a he's an athlete. Yeah. He's somebody famous because he had he just had he reeked of being a famous person of some kind. And he likes that though. You know, he, he, he enjoys it. that. Certain yeah, guys like it. it, and certain guys don't. But you can usually tell by their look um, He'd have how like bad the, they want to be recognized and how much they want to lay low. JD would have like the thousand dollar ripped jeans on, yeah, and you know the two thousand dollar sunglasses with the Raiders cap pulled low, and you know like the leggings under his holy jeans, and yeah. I mean, he, he always had or like he'd have a a, a Hawaiian looking shirt like unbuttoned halfway down with like big gold chains. I mean, yeah. JD just had a look, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't afraid of the spotlight at all. No, man, I miss that guy. I missed having that guy around, He's but it wouldn't matter this year because we're never in the clubhouse anyway this year. Right. But yeah, he was he was definitely entertaining and funny to talk to, man. Love talking football and sports, man. He knew all sports, but football, he could talk football for hours. Yeah, yeah, he could. But anyway, all right. Well, hey, look, believe it or not, we're already we're past the trade deadline and we're past the midway point of this season. How weird does that feel? Our, our, September, man. It doesn't. Yeah. I feel like summer never even started. Yeah, more than being past the midway point of the season. It's like we're in September in a normal season. We are. We're the it's playoff the stretch. Drive. Yeah, the, the whole yeah. stretch. This is going to feel really weird in another week or two, man. When it's, it's coming down, it's to the funny point. though because you know as weird as this year's been, 
that for everybody, I think that the baseball season being all jacked up and weird like this, it just kind of fits right in. It, it doesn't feel that awkward nah, for yeah. me. You know, I, I, th- I know exactly what you're talking about. It might be in this weird season or weird year where everything you do is odd, you know, going to the store with the masks on and all that and, and just avoiding people and, baseball might be the most normal thing that in my life right now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the, yeah when the game itself starts and you're watching it and the crowd noise and you forget that there's nobody there yeah yes so, <laughs> thank god That's they're true. playing man i don't know yeah. where I, i'd be losing my mind right now if we still had no sports i mean sports the podcast wouldn't be very fun <laughs> no and sports has been the saving grace i think for a lot of people man the nba bubble the basketball being played in the nba bubble has been terrific yeah yeah it's been really good basketball. So I, I'm really wondering how they're going to do football, but they've already played some college games, so we'll see. But it's really weird seeing a college stadium with people scattered around. But I'm glad the baseball has no people in the fans and has the cutouts because it looks better than when there's when they have 25% capacity and they have people stretched out because that just looks like a really bad crowd, like nobody's there. It's a bad game. It, well, and they're figuring it out too because the cardboard cutouts just started behind home plate. Yeah. And now you look at the stadiums, it's like the whole lower bowl is, yes. is packed with fans. Did you see Philly? Philly had it great. They've got yeah. every seat in the lower bowl filled, and they yeah. fit snug over the seats. Yep. So when a player hits a home run and it hits one of those one of those people in the like in a seat, they put the player over that fan, over that seat if it knocks. It, it's really cool. If it's in the oh, outfield. that's cool. Yeah, and they because they have them all, they fit perfectly over it so it really works well and they're uniform size too so they really look good at citizen bank park having all those cutouts yeah i like it uh, i didn't you yeah. know initially i wasn't sure about it but now i'm yeah. like it these games would be a lot more awkward without that even if, if you yeah, you're think right it's stupid no doubt in the places that don't have it like behind home plate like yankee stadium didn't have them when the brace played up there and terrible. it really was noticeable yeah. yeah our tarps tarps over all the seats that looks bad too i think fenway looked weird because you could see the tents you know yeah yeah so anyway, all right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what watch, see what the Braves do, and I'm I'm kind of looking forward. I think we're going to see. By the way, we were talking about all the starting pitching. We didn't meet, mention Tucker Davidson. I think we could see him sooner rather than later. They're going to give uh, 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 Erland another shot tomorrow. Robbie Erland gets another start tomorrow. But if you, I think if you were to see him fall on his face or Josh Tomlin really struggle. Uh, they need to have those guys in it right now because they got another doubleheader coming up. Yeah. Uh, but you could see, I think, Tucker Davidson get a chance with we got another doubleheader coming up. And then after the next off day, there's no more off days, I think. So we, well, I think we're going to probably see Tucker Davidson, especially after uh, we saw uh, Anderson come up and pitch as well as he did. You know, Tucker Davidson supposedly was the guy at one point that was ahead of him. But Tyler pitched, uh, or, or Ian pitched so well down at the camp that he bumped ahead of him. Uh, but I think we could see Tucker Davidson before this is all said and done. And that'll be something to watch, too, seeing what that guy's got going into next yeah. year. But anyway, it's cool. It's been uh, it's been enjoyable. And the Braves, uh, we're going to see if they can hang in there. We're like, they've got 20 wins, 20 and 14 right now in their first place. So they're doing it. They're making it happen. I, I tell you what. I don't know if, if uh, Max Freed right now, he's top three Cy Young. Hugh Darvish is, is right there neck and neck with him. And I think DeGrom will be there before it's all said and done. But right now, I am voting top 10 or top five even if I have an MVP vote for Max Freed because he has meant that much to this Braves team. And I usually don't vote for pitchers in the top five or 10. 
but he is getting my vote if if things hold the way they have so far. Oh yeah, uh, you got to look at where your team would be without him. I don't know if you yeah. know. I don't know if that factors into the voting as much as how much that guy meant to that team versus what he'd mean to every team. But for this team, man, I don't even want to think about where they'd be without what he's oh. done. God, I, I can't remember a starting pitcher that was more important to a team. Really, none of the teams I've covered. Well, it's Not hard to one. do that. I mean, it's hard to do that being just one guy that pitches every five days. Right, right. Because, you know, I've had pitchers that were as good or better. Right. But they also had other good starters, you know, obviously like the big three, you know, or Kevin Brown when I covered the, the Marlins. They still had other good pitchers, too, that were having good years. But anyway. All right. Hey, it's going to be fun. Uh, the, the last three or four weeks, I think it's really going to heat up. And these races are going to be great because 16 teams are going to make the postseason. And, man, the first round matchup. I, I, it changes every day, but for a while it was the Cardinals Braves. Then it was Marlins Braves. I tell you, the Marlins with the pitchers they've got, I don't know that I'd want to match up with the Marlins. <laughs> no. <laughs> with the starters they've got. <laughs> it's hard to say that, but yeah, I kind of feel you. I on know. That. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be fun. We'll talk again on Tuesday. And the Braves are going to, they got two more games in Boston. It's going to be interesting to see what they do Friday with, I'm, t- I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll talk again. <laughs> What's today? Tuesday. <laughs> Today's Tuesday. We'll talk again Friday after two more games in Boston and the Braves will come home. But they, uh, I, I'm interested, really interested to see what Ian Anderson does tonight in Boston in his second start. He's from upstate New York, just outside Albany, equidistance between New York City and Boston. So he grew up three hours from each, and he was a big Red Sox fan. So he went to four or five games at Fenway as a kid. So this is going to be cool for him, and I'm interested to see what he does. And then uh, – See how they piece it together after that. See if we see Tucker Davidson before long. But, well, he can so calm, hang in there. He can calm a lot of fans down with another good start today, I think. Oh, absolutely. It would be huge. And I don't want to say what would happen with the fans if he, if he has a really bad start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, man. That's it. 755 is real. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We'll talk to you all later.